Welcome to Influencer Business, where influencers get help with the hard stuff. Think of us as your business Bible. We're a team of influencers and entrepreneurs dedicated to bringing professional resources and infrastructure to our community. I'm Rich Scudelari, CEO of Trove. I'm an entrepreneur focused on helping influencers run and grow their businesses with the resources and information they need. I host this podcast as well as a live webinar called Office Hours, which takes place every Wednesday. Here, I dig deeper into each weekly topic and answer all of your most pressing questions. Our weekly podcast features guests from across the professional landscape, sharing their experiences and advice and answering questions from the Trove community, which you can submit on our website at www.trovebusiness.com. Welcome back to another episode of Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari. As a reminder, this month we're covering all topics on protection. Last week we talked about protecting your personal data and your privacy. We had an amazing interview with Dr. Lori Craner, an expert on data privacy and security, who shared a few stories on how she's battled hackers, both in the professional realm but also in her personal life as well. If you haven't had a chance, definitely go give that a listen. It's well worth it. Uh, This week, however, we're talking about a different sort of protection. We're talking about separating your business life and your personal life by incorporating your business. It's probably not a topic that a lot of people think about, but it's actually very important, and it actually could be one of the most important things you ever do. See, the advantage of formally incorporating and organizing your business is it actually protects your personal assets in a way that you might not be aware of. So you've probably heard of something called an LLC. The acronym stands for Limited Liability Company, and the the name is actually very descriptive of what it actually does. It provides you, the owner, with limited liability. So as an example, let's say somebody wants to file a lawsuit against your business. It may not seem likely, but play along with me for a minute here. So if you're operating as a sole proprietor, which is just somebody who's operating under their own name, not somebody who's registered or organized a company— The party that's suing you can ostensibly come after your personal assets and those of your spouse if you're married. On the other hand, if you've gone through the process of incorporating or organizing your business, your personal assets and your business assets are separated and your personal assets will be protected. I mean, this is an enormous protection and definitely worth the price of admission. I mean, there are other advantages that come with incorporating your business, some of which we'll discuss with our guests today. But this is the big one. This is the one that is really going to provide you a tremendous amount of security. Of course, this is not guaranteed. You have to operate properly within the rules of the law, and you have to make sure that your business is not simply an extension of your personal life. But that's not particularly difficult. It's very clear, and there are simple ways to do that. Now, as for how you create a business entity, we cover that in much more detail on our website, so make sure to visit www.trovebusiness.com and find out more there. One thing I need to mention is that we strongly recommend that you talk to a lawyer and a tax professional before you file any paperwork to register or organize your business. It's not particularly hard to set up a company, but there are a lot of little rules and regulations that a lawyer can help you with. And depending on how you structure the company, you can potentially save a bundle on taxes if done properly. So make sure you talk to your tax pro. But now I want to welcome our guest to the podcast. Today I'm being joined by Diana Lopez, a CPA. She is actually the founder of Diana Lopez CPA, a tax consulting practice. Diana has over 20 years of experience as a tax practitioner and has traveled the country training and advising CPAs both on best business structures and also how to survive an IRS audit. 
Her exceptional capabilities have enabled her to build an awesome portfolio of businesses, which includes popular entertainers, real estate corporations, and passionate entrepreneurs. We're incredibly excited to have her with us today. Diana, thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's first talk a little bit about your kind of non-traditional path to becoming a tax manager and a CPA. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I kind of started out backwards. The general course is to go to college, get your degree, sit for the exam, and then go into a public firm so you can get your license. When I graduated, it was kind of a seller's market and there weren't that many jobs to be had. So I ended up in private industry and working in a single owner business, but it was the largest like privately held company in the area at the time, which was Los Angeles. So Mm -hmm. even though it was private industry, the tax, uh, the VP in charge of tax and the director had all come from, you know, big accounting firms and they ran the department as an accounting, as an accounting firm. Oh, wow. So I, oh, wow. so it was very traditional in the sense that they trained me to be what I, what I eventually became. Mm-hmm. So when I, by the time I went to public, I was ready and I had gotten a lot of really good experience in a variety of industries already. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. from there it was, you know, I started to get into, I went to the CPA firm when I realized I had kind of, you know, maxed out there. And it was just kind of the rest was history. I started out as this, as a lowly staff and just kind of worked my way up the ranks over the years. And now I'm a tax manager. Awesome. It's it's funny because a lot of our listeners come from non-traditional paths to get to where they are. And uh, we always love hearing those stories from other industries and folks who have created their own businesses as well. So this week we're, we're talking all about protecting your business uh, and one of the ways in which you can protect your business is by structuring it properly, registering it, incorporating, and organizing. So let's start with the basics. Why should somebody incorporate their their business versus keeping it as a sole proprietorship? I think for me, in my opinion, the more autonomy you can keep between yourself and your personal tax return and the business and the business activity, the better. Mm-hmm. Because you know, not just for you know income tax purposes, but even just for general business liability, you don't want anybody to have access to your personal life when, you know, your professional life and your personal life should be separate. So I think for financial purposes, that's just as important. Mm-hmm. Also, when it comes to uh, reporting items on your income tax return, there's a level of scrutiny when it's on an individual return and the level of detail that can attract unwanted attention more so than if it's just a single line item flowing from a business entity. Can you can you dive into that a little bit? What do you what do you mean by that? Do you mean that somebody who runs a sole proprietorship is more likely to get audited perhaps than somebody who's reporting income from their business as an LLC or an S corp? Absolutely. Because the difference is when you are a sole proprietor, you're recording you're reporting your income on schedule C. So if you look at a traditional Schedule C, it starts out with the business name and the address and the ID number if you have one. And then it asks you specifically, what was your gross income? What kind of inventory did you have? Did you have cost of goods sold? How are you accounting for your inventory? And it asks you to list out each expense item line by line. Auto expense, you know, office expense, travel, entertainment, um, supplies, professional fees. And those are all areas, specific areas that you're addressing. And there's also a section for like other expenses. Mm -hmm. So that's very detailed information. And that's when the IRS does its uh, algorithms to check for, you know, to select returns for auditing. When Mm -hmm. it comes to Schedule C, they look for uh, differences or kind of aberrations, if you will. Like somebody with really Mm -hmm. high, a loss, a a sole proprietor business loss. 
that had mm-hmm. a high amount of entertainment expenses or a high amount of auto expenses or a high amount of office expense, all areas that are typically abused or home mm-hmm. office deduction. So oh, those are all, you know, very detailed line items that you're giving to the IRS for them to now, you know, examine more thoroughly and question. Right. Whereas if you have are getting just a K-1 from a pass-through entity, it's just a single, a single line item at of net income that you're reporting. And there's nothing for them to sink their teeth into. If you had to take a stab at kind of the increased likelihood of getting audited as a sole proprietor versus an LLC, what what's the difference there kind of in terms of numbers? I mean, there's always uh, trends in auditing. And mm-hmm. from what I've seen, it can, you know, it just varies from year to year. But for the most part, you have probably a business return has probably about like a maybe a one to 3% chance of being audited. Mm-hmm. Whereas as a schedule C has a much higher, can go into like, you know, maybe like 10 to 13%, just depending on where their focus is. Wow. And the most recent conversation I've had with an IRS auditor is that they're going after schedule C's and checking for 1099s. Are you issuing 1099s? And if the answer is no, which almost always is no because nobody knows what to do or how to do it. Right. They are that's in within their power to disallow every deduction that you should have issued a 1099 for. If you're listening to this and you haven't incorporated yet, do it now just for the tax benefits. It sounds like the IRS is going after sole proprietors in a way they never have before. And and from what you said, between 1% and 3% likelihood on the business side and a 10 to 13% on the sole proprietor side, I mean, that's anywhere from a 3 to 13 times increase in the number of audits that happen. And that alone should scare people into incorporating, not to mention the limited liability benefits that, you know. Absolutely. So my next question was going to be, what are the thresholds for, you know, should, is there a certain level of revenue somebody should hit or certain metrics that somebody should hit in order to kind of be at that level where you'd incorporate? But from what it sounds like, if you have a side job or a hobby, incorporate right away and get those benefits, reduce the likelihood that you face an IRS audit. That's, I think, a fair point, but you have to kind of be careful. I think that it's good to look at a bigger picture approach when it comes to things like that, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. as important as taxes are and as, as much as they drive, you know, a lot of decision-making, you know, the tax tail can't wag the dog. There's got to, it's got to make economic sense for yeah, you. That's fair. And when you, uh, when you incorporate, or when you form an LLC or any kind of a, you know, a formal entity, mm-hmm. you're now responsible. That entity is its own kind of being and it has its own responsibilities in, in reporting and compliance requirements. It's a lot more detailed and a lot more um, reporting requirements than most sole props are capable or even willing to um, mm-hmm. To make. If you're making, you know, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year uh, as a side business, I think certainly investing in creating an entity would be would make sense. If you're making two or three thousand, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But once you start getting into, you know, five, six-digit numbers, certainly makes sense. I think that's that's a fair point. And also, if you're taking on funding from like outside people, I mean, if your dad's lending you like ten grand to get started, that's one thing. But if you have somebody that's like seriously, you know, think likes, you know, into your product or your brand and wants to really invest significant money in exchange for some kind of equity, you would absolutely need to document that more formally. Or if, you know, the business starts to, you know, like blow up 
and you're thinking of selling and getting out, you would definitely want something more formally structured. For sure. Yeah. What are the most common mistakes you see people make, particularly small business owners or influencers who are looking to create structure around their business? What are they, what are they not doing? What do you have to go in and fix? I think when, when you start out, it's because you're just kind of new and you're kind of pulling resources from wherever you can, there's a very uh, significant tendency to mix your business and your personal. Mm. You know, you're not, when you're first starting out, you're not going to go in and to Chase or to Wells Fargo and open a, you know, a business credit card or take out a mm-hmm. credit card just for business because you're not really there yet. So yeah. you get a lot of, you know, activity kind of very quickly, the little flutters, kind of ups and downs, and that all kind of gets mixed into to the personal side. So separating some of that out can be, can be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a mistake, but it's generally time driven because most entrepreneurs are tending to spend the bulk of their time concentrating on their business. So the housekeeping and the administrative stuff kind of gets shoved to the side until you have time, although you never seem to have time. Well, this leads me to my next question. I mean, we just saw in 2018, the new tax reform go live. How is that affecting small business owners? Well, that really depends on the size of the business. Mm-hmm. In theory, the biggest change for small business owners, and this includes um, pass-through entities like um, S Corp and uh, LLC, you know, members. There's a new qualified business deduction whereby you can deduct twenty percent of your qualified business income. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deduction. It's a big change, and it's really exciting. But the IRS hasn't given us a ton of guidance on <laughs> on what to do and how to do that. So for business owners, that's going to be a, it's going to be a big deal. Presuming you have, you know, like I said, qualified business income. Right. The only downside I think is that it's limit. So there are certain professions that are not included if you're over a certain income threshold. But most people starting out will probably fall underneath that, so it's not really that important. But um, there's going to be a lot more planning involved with the way you ha- the way you take deductions. Now, does that extend to uh, sole proprietorships as well, or is it only uh, folks who are getting a K-1 or other sorts of kind of business income? Does that extend to a Schedule C? It actually mostly impacts sole proprietors. Oh, wow. Okay. Because they because mostly in business, th- those things are kind of accounted for within the business, you know, books and records. Bottom line, talk to your tax <laughs> pro because there are a lot of things that you can do right now to benefit yourself and your business and save yourself a ton on taxes with this new reform. They're still, even as you were mentioning, the the vast number of CPAs out there are still kind of wrapping their heads around it because there hasn't been any guidance from the government. So as if taxes weren't already stressful enough, it's going to be even more stressful this year. Taking a, taking a, a step away from the nitty gritty, can you share an anecdote or two uh, from your dealings either with clients or the IRS that uh, would be helpful for our listeners, most of whom are influencers trying to build their own businesses? Absolutely. So one thing I think people need to be aware of is just making sure that they're in the best possible position in the event that they get examined. I mean, nothing's, everything's generally okay until it isn't. And you don't ever know that until you get that terrible letter in the mail. But um, it's also helpful to realize that, you know, presenting the more you aware and informed and the better your records are, the easier it's going to be to overcome a situation where an auditor doesn't understand your business, especially influencers where the bulk of this is online content and you're, you know, there's PayPal, there's Zelle, there's all these really uh, new applications out there that general brick and mortar businesses don't have 
you know, don't really have and haven't used in the past. And it takes the Internal Revenue Service so much longer to catch up with actual business practices than the real world that a lot of times a lack of understanding can lead to an adjustment and an unfair adjustment. I've had one auditor tell me that, well, this client wouldn't be spending this kind of money if she was if she didn't have a husband to take care of her and that was making money, which technically that's not has nothing to do with the statute or the law. And I told right. her, I said, that's not a valid point. So the more prepared you are and the better your documentation is and the better your record keeping is. Record keeping is key when dealing with, you know, the IRS or with anybody really. And just yeah. for your own you know, personal like metrics. So bottom line is to to avoid any of the angst, any of the pain and the turmoil, keep good records, form an entity, separate your personal from your business. And that will not only lower the chance of being audited, but in the in the extreme case where it does result in an audit, you will at least be primed to fight it and hopefully avoid any, you know, extra pain on top of what you've already endured. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. We're, we were so pleased to have you on and appreciate you talking through some of these issues with us. Obviously, it's super complex. One thing I do want to mention before letting Diana go is that Diana has joined us today out of the goodness of her heart. She is with us as a private citizen. This is, should not be construed as tax advice. Uh, in order to get tax advice, we strongly recommend you go see your tax professional. If you'd like to contact Diana for professional tax advice. You can do so. Diana Lopez runs her own CPA consulting business where she focuses on tax consulting. Um, But for the purposes of this podcast, this is informational only and tax professional advice should be sought outside with your tax pro. Um, Diana, thank you again so much for joining us. It was incredibly great to talk these things through with you. All right. Thank you, Rich. It was very nice to be with you guys. And, you know, I love helping other people and I love helping especially women in business. I think it's very important for, you know, us all to help each other. We want to again thank Diana for being with us. It was great to chat through all of these incredibly intricate things uh, related to incorporating your business, the tax and the legal implications. So quickly to recap what we learned from Diana. First, incorporating your business will separate your personal assets from your business assets and really give you protection legally and financially. But another major benefit of incorporating your business is that the likelihood that you get audited by the IRS drops significantly when you have a corporation versus remaining a sole proprietorship. What Diana mentioned was that you have a 1% to 3% chance if you have an entity. You have a 10 to 13% chance if you're a sole proprietor, and that seems to be increasing. So you should really take a hard look at creating a business entity and seeing if you can garner some of the protection that comes with that. As always, we strongly encourage you to consult with a lawyer and a tax pro as you consider your options because you might be able to save a ton in your business, but it's an incredibly complex process, and there are a lot of different considerations that come into play. And finally, one of the main things that we took away from our conversation with Diana was make sure you maintain good records. Make sure your bookkeeping is on point because it will both reduce the amount of work that your accountant has to do at the end of the year, but also it could really save you if you ever get audited by the IRS. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Influencer Business. We will see you next time where we actually dive into another really interesting topic, copyrights. Who owns what? what to do if you find somebody infringing upon you, and how to best protect yourself and your assets. It's definitely one that you won't want to miss. Thanks again. I'm Rich Scudelari, and this has been Influencer Business. Influencer Business.